Welcome to the Evolution Podcast, where your host, Jeff Bayless, brings useful and meaningful conversations to you with the goal of serving humanity on the journey to mental, physical, and spiritual wellness. Inspired by his unique experiences in life and the military, Jeff vulnerably shares his exploration of the human spirit of resilience and higher consciousness through thought-provoking conversations and observations. One thing that is certain in this life is change, but we don't have to just change. With noticing what is coming up for us through the mind and body connection and applying careful effort, we can evolve to not only better understand ourselves, but those in our tribe. So open your minds and warm your hearts. Welcome in. All right, welcome everybody to the Evolution and Off the Deep End crossover. I'm here with someone who is um, an absolute inspiration to me, somebody who is driven, a father, a service member, somebody who has gone downrange multiple times and came back with much more to, to give to his, the people he was leading. And uh, he's a, definitely a true leader and I look up to him. Can't say that enough. I'll never forget where I saw him with a piece of line dragging a bomb behind him in the rib. So that is one of my favorite <laughs> memories. And we're going to get right into it. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know that I deserve all those accolades, but I will say that uh, I don't think that there's any human being that, uh, you know, aspires to be a good human being that doesn't hear that every once in a while. So it, it really is not anymore for me. It's not about fueling my ego. It just reinvigorates or, you know, re-motivates me to do stuff like this to help people, uh, you know, and, and one underlying theme that I think we'll get to for me is definitely a life of service. Uh, and that's forever going to be there, you know, through the military or just the one-on-one we're going to have right now. Hopefully this serves you in some way. And that's, that's really my life's mission. So that's what I'm excited about right now. And I guess that's kind of another thing uh, jumping right in, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, Hey, what's, uh, you know, tell me about your past. Tell me about your future. And I always like to start with the present, right? Like what is going on right now? What am I excited about? What are you excited about right now? Uh, cause that's where the pivots begin, right? That's where we can take action is in the now you can't take action on the past. You can't take action on the future, but I can take action in the now. And right now, I'm excited about this conversation, man, and and I'm excited about the ears it's going to land on, and hopefully the people it's going to resonate and help. And that's that's the that's my life's mission, man. Uh, so that's that's kind of where I'll jump in off the deep end. Uh, yeah. Uh, with with uh, you know something maybe kind of chunky is you know life's mission of service. So I appreciate your kind words, man. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? I'm glad you said that because I'm going to ask you then. Um, to completely mix that up and tell me a little bit about what was it like for you growing up as a child? I, w- I want everyone to have a little bit of dipping their toe into the water before understanding what this vast sea of Jeff Bayless is. Yeah, perfect, man. Uh, so I had I had good parents. You know, I, I did have good parents. Uh, my dad was a boss mate in the Navy, uh, got out in, in Vietnam, got out, you know, self-made man, very successful in the oil industry. Uh, my mom is a sweetheart, right? Uh, but there were mistakes made, you know, there were definitely challenges. And some of those challenges, which I'll discuss, gave me, existentially, I would say it, it gave me PTSD prior to even joining the military, right? And a lot of people think that 
we have post-traumatic stress based on war conditions. And I describe PTSD, which I'm sure we'll discuss that as somewhat like, you know, if you take a, if you're envisioning a 32 ounce Gatorade bottle or a 16 ounce water bottle, either way, once that thing is full and overflowing, you've now got a mess on your hands, right? So, you know, my bottle may have been 16 ounces at 10 years old uh, and overflowing. And then, you know, over time it got, you know, I kept packing things into that water bottle or that sea bag, right? And, and it just, you know, kind of exacerbated the situation. So what did that look like? Uh, violent neighborhood. Uh, there were a few benefits of growing up in that neighborhood uh, with a gay brother as well. Uh, is I don't see color. I'm not racist. There's no prejudice. I, it's just, I, I've never been, I don't understand it. Right. Because I grew up in an all black neighborhood, the only white kid, uh, you know, a few Hispanics, uh, you know, very few Asians, but some Asians in school, but mostly black neighborhood. Uh, and then awesome. being the, being the only white guy, you know, my, my role was like to try to fit in and be cool. Right. Like to learn how to do the MC hammer dance and, you know, like, you know, learn what run DMC was about. Right. Um, so I, I, I look at that as a blessing, uh, but it was kind of a rough neighborhood. You know, there was a lot of violence. Uh, my house got broken into multiple times. Saw my babysitter get tied up with an extension cord at gunpoint. Uh, you know, our cars got stolen, just a lot of violent, uh, things in the neighborhood, uh, that, definitely got me to where, you know, I am a concealed carry, which I know uh, you're definitely pro 2A as I am. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think it kind of led me towards this, this uh, desire for continued safety and securing others, right, which I can probably get into why maybe I joined the military. But that, that being said, that, you know, there was that little bit of trauma, right, with, uh, you know, you can call it little T, but for me, it was kind of outside, right, like, you know, it was kind of the environment outside, uh, but inside, you know, my parents weren't getting along, they were fighting a lot, my parents got divorced when they were 10, and so there was that relational trauma of seeing the unit break up, right? That can do and, a lot of damage. And, and my mother moved away, right, so I had no uh, nurturing role from a young age, and I love my dad, he's like one of my best friends, but I say to this day, you don't scare me. I held a flashlight for Jack Bayless. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so, uh, you know, there was that part of it, uh, not having the nurturing role growing up that kind of also pushed me further into that aggressive, uh, lifestyle. And then I would say the most vulnerable piece here is that, and it's very hard when you're a manly man, like people can't see me, but I'm covered in tattoos, uh, you know, retired Navy guy, still a civil servant for the military. Uh, you know, definitely pride myself on a lot of manly masculine things that I had done and, and still continue to enjoy. And yet, uh, not but, and uh, when I was 10 years old, I was sexually abused by my babysitter's brother. Uh, you know, and there's a lot there, man, that, you know, you carry into adulthood. I remember uh, on my first ship or no, it was my, it was my third command, second ship. Sorry. Uh, there was a, uh, a sexual assault case uh, involving two men. And I remember th saying, I think I even said it out loud. Like if that happened to me, I would die. I, I would never tell anybody that. And the reason I said that was because it did happen to me. And so mm -hmm. I wasn't mature enough to uh, deal with those emotions. I compartmentalized them. I felt, I felt very guilty. Uh, I was very embarrassed that I allowed it to happen at such a young age. Uh, I think, you know, it's hard because it's fuzzy when you're that young, but it might have been around, you know, five to seven. And it wasn't just one time, you know, it was like multiple times over the course of a, you know, a year or two uh, where, you know, that that behavior uh, 
it was just ongoing, you know, and at no point, at no point did I like it. At no point was I like, this is enjoyable. Because first of all, when you're that young, you don't enjoy sex, right? Like, I'm worried about tricks and cartoons, right? I'm not worried about enjoyment of sexual pleasure. And so that's thing one. And thing two is I knew that it was not natural. Like, I knew it was wrong. I knew it was not right. At least for me, I'm not saying, you know, a male and male sexual relationship is not appropriate. What I'm saying is a five-year-old and a 16-year-old is not appropriate, right? Yeah, and, someone's and preying on you. 100%, right? And, you know, I think at the time, you know, if I could talk to the five-year-old version of Jeff, I would say, dude, it's not your fault, right? It's not your fault. And you should talk about it. Yeah, to so an adult, yeah. Yeah, and, and at the 40-year-old, uh, age, I would say the same thing, <laughs> you know? And so to the listener, I would say if, if, uh, you have experienced something that in your past, like we said earlier, you know, share your, share your wounds with people you trust, share your scars with the world. It's now a scar for me. It's, it's in my past. It's something that happened to me, but it's not who I am. It does not define me. Uh, absolutely. I, I have a, a member of my family that's currently going through, uh, something similar, um, and I'm, I'm obviously not going to out her because there's an ongoing, you know, criminal investigation in the case and the judge is waiting to hear it and everything. But um, the conversation I have with this, this uh, young in individual is, you know, don't, don't take this as something that means that you made a mistake. You are a victim. And that doesn't mean that we cower in fear or that we don't live life anymore. Mm -hmm. Your life is not over until you've breath breathed, like you've had your last breath. So like me having a similar experience, I was preyed upon three times as uh, as I grew up, and it, it it never gets easy to hear somebody else go through a similar thing. And you saying that that uh, what you would say to yourself, you know, something I would say to myself at that age is, you know, tell somebody else because my parents didn't didn't handle it in a very positive way. Right. Uh, there was they they one time they one time it happened they put me in therapy, um, but. Like, and, but they, we kept it to ourselves. We kept it inside the family, you know, sweeping things out of the rug is never something I'm going to pass on to my children. And I know that a lot of parents do what they, what they can with, with the tools they're given by their parents. Right. But that doesn't mean I'm going to repeat my parents' same mistakes. So I would say the, a similar thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, of course I'm like focusing on things that, you know, but it was impactful in your life. Right. And so to ignore mm -hmm. that, it's like when people say, well, that's, that hurts. It's like, well, yeah, you'd be a sociopath if it didn't going through therapy, you know, understanding that these things are painful. I would worry about you if you, if it was, if you weren't sad or if you weren't embarrassed or if you weren't, you know, you don't need to be, but if you are not experiencing some level of emotion, I would worry about you. I'd be like, okay, well, that's, that's not natural. And that's not normal. Like, it should hurt a little bit. You know, that's how we as humans process things, right? Mm -hmm. It should hurt a little bit. That's how you're, you're now processing it in real time. And the other thing I would say is well, a lot of times we have guilt for an action, right? So I felt guilty about that action that honestly, I didn't need to feel guilty about. Uh, and you didn't either. You, like you said, I like, I like that, uh, that phrase, cause it does put it in the right connotation. You were preyed upon, right? Cause what five or six year old kid is going to say, no, they don't know. You know, they're just trying to, you know, I mean, I've been told to, I've been taught to do what I'm told, right. Pick up my yeah. toys and brush my teeth and, you know, do the appropriate kid things. Right. Uh, so that the thing I, or where I'm trying to go here is there's, there's guilt and shame, right? So I, you can feel guilty for an action, but don't embody it and make it 
that was something that happened. It's not who I am. And that's the difference in guilt and shame. So it's okay to feel guilty for a time and then process it. And, and I don't mean specifically kids with child, uh, you know, sexual trauma. I just mean in general, if something is negative in your life in real time, it's okay to feel guilty about it. You know, I, I forgot to pay for that, uh, uh, that can of tomatoes at Walmart at the self-checkout. I feel guilty about that, but I'm not a thief. I'm not, I'm not going to be shameful. I forgot, man. Like I just, you know, I swiped everything and that thing didn't make the beep sound and I forgot. And it just, it, it's not, I'm not a thief. I'm not ashamed of, you know, the accident. Maybe I, you know, the next time I go back, I just swipe it twice, right? <laughs> just swipe two cans of tomatoes, right? Just to, hey. to make it right, to, to bless my karma, right? But it doesn't, you can't embody every wrong thing that happens to you. And obviously everybody's heard somebody say, you know, things happen to you, they happen for you. Right. And that's mm -hmm. only, you know, you don't, you don't, uh, you know, you never lose if you actually learn from, you don't win or lose, you win or learn. Right. And you're learning from these things as they happen to and for you. Uh, and that, that was just kind of my childhood, man, that those were the hard spots or the sticking spots. And then I, you know, that those were younger years and I did pretty well in school and I got to, you know, high school, I'd say by the time I was in, I was, I was always kind of a bully, uh, very big personality, uh, played football, lifted weights, body built, you know, did all that kind of stuff. You know, I was a jock. I drove Jack in the weight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know you love that. And, yes, uh, Lord. I, uh, you know, I got, I've got, I drove a 1970 Plymouth Roadrunner, looked like the Dukes of Hazard car, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I did all the, the very macho type stuff, right? This was, this was my, my, my thread here. And then I, you know, I got into high school and honestly, I, I, just didn't care if I lived anymore. Uh, I wasn't, mm. I wouldn't say I was suicidal because I wasn't mature enough. And I'll talk about suicide, maybe on a part two, uh, very open about my suicidal ideations later in life. Uh, but I definitely did not care about whether I lived or died. And so I took a lot of chances, a lot of violence, a lot of fighting, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of experimenting with drugs just to escape mentally the, the pain that I was feeling uh, for not dealing with, you know, these I had no positive coping mechanisms. The gym was the only positive coping mechanism I had. And then when I quit working out, you know, I, I turned to drugs and alcohol and fighting. Uh, and so obviously that didn't work out too well, uh, you know, as any negative coping mechanism. I got to a head where, uh, you know, I was either going to go to prison uh, eventually because I got tired of waking up in jail, uh, not knowing why I was there with, you know, blood on my hands and you know, probably pissed myself, right? Like this is, this is my life at 17 years old, 18 years old. And, uh, you know, I lost a, a really good job. I had bartending and waiting tables cause I just couldn't keep it together. And, uh, finally I was like, man, I either need to like go to rehab or, you know, go talk to a recruiter. Like, let's try that out. You know, dad was in the Navy. My grandfather was in the Navy and, uh, I mean, he was a boatswain mate as well in world war two. And, oh man. Uh, yeah. Son of a son of a sailor. I can feel the anchor chain in the background <laughs> shaking my house, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so, you know, I guess what I say when I do my talk, when I deliver my, my public speaking engagements to the, to, the, to the sailors, you know, where I talk about all this stuff very vulnerably, uh, because I believe in the power of vulnerability, right? Like Brene Brown talks about, there's, there's extreme power and being completely raw and honest. And the honest truth was just like an officer and a gentleman, man, I had nowhere else to go. I mean, it was either the military or bust. And uh, it took me quite a while to get in. But once I got in, uh, I took it as a great opportunity. 
I was not going to screw the Navy up. I mean, dude, I've, I took it seriously. You know, I cleaned up. I could tell. Yeah. Oh, I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I wanted to say uh, that I just listened to this amazing book. Um, I didn't want to read the book because one, I'm dyslexic as hell. And two, I love audiobooks because hopefully one day somebody records their own voice. And Tim Kennedy actually, for his book, Scars and Stripes, put his own voice in there. And his whole book is just complete and utter vulnerability. He says, uh, one of my favorite quotes is he says, 12 years ago, this book would have been on how much of a badass I was. Same. Now I'm going to tell you that I'm a failure and failure sucks, but it's not the end. So I, I really dig that extreme vulnerability you talk about. It's a, it's a quality I, I see in all the people I look up to. It's crazy how when you pull back that flap of ego, the truth just airs out and people are going to love and respect you no matter what you've gone through more for that. Well, cause then they know that they're not alone. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest thing. You're not alone. Like, uh, and that I see this every time I talk to a crowd of people, whether it's 3000 sailors on an aircraft carrier or 30 sailors, uh, in a, in a small auditorium or even at their, you know, command chief's mess where I'll talk to anybody. I, you know, I, I do not discriminate. Like what said when we opened up the show, like, I don't care. Who do you got? You got junior sailors. I'll talk to them. You got senior officers. I'll talk to them. I don't, you got three people that need help. I went to a ship the other day and talked to one person who was getting kicked out of the Navy was a successful officer, you know, graduated from the Naval Academy even like I'll talk to anybody, man. Cause if it keeps them from jumping off the ledge, then that's, that's worth my time, but you can't, 100%. people will know you're full of shit. If you're not, you know, coming out with everything, right? Like if people can tell when you're holding just a little something back, like, I think, you know, he said that, but how do I can't really, you can't build that trust. And that's a quick way. Speed to trust is a good book by Covey. That's a quick way to, to get that trust going. It's like, Hey man, look, like you say in your your podcast, uh, when you do the posts, right? You you let people know right up front, like, hey, there's going to be some vulnerable topics we're going to talk about here. You know, there's going to be some things that might trigger something that you aren't ready to talk about yet. So just just be forewarned, and that's a speed to trust thing. You're you're getting their trust automatically because you're letting them know we're not pulling any punches here. We are we are two guys or two you know a guy and a gal, and we're going to talk about the hard topics because those need to be discussed. And that's, Hell yeah, man. that's, you know, as a society, I think we're doing better and that's, that's important. Um, but so, you know, just capping off the childhood thing, you know, I, I don't want to say that I had a, a bad childhood because again, you're not alone. I think a lot of people have these little T trauma events in their childhood. For the most part, I had a, what I would say was an okay childhood. Wasn't great. I know my kids have had a better childhood, right? Um, and that's on Major purpose. complete. Yeah, exactly. That's on purpose. Uh, not perfect, right? Um, you know, definitely not perfect. And my kids listen to this 20 years from now, they're going to say, well, yeah, dad, dad had some, you know, there were some things here and there uh, based on anxiety and PTSD that, you know, may have caused them some little T trauma. The hope is that, you know, that is not unsurmountable. Right. And That's... I love seeing you with your kids. Uh, you're, you're such an active father. And I remember <laughs> last time, last time we hooked up to chat a little bit, um, you said, well, I got to go, I got to take my kids or something. And I'm like, you know what? It's fucking awesome. It's, 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 and there's no way other, to, other than that to say it. Uh, it's seeing a father be super present 
and, and, and try to right some of the, not necessarily the wrongs, but the, the wrong turns some parents take while navigating li- this little thing called life. Mm-hmm. It's really awesome, man. And uh, I just oh, want to commend sure. you on that. So yeah, what yeah. led you to jump into the military? Well, like I said, you know, well, let me finish with the kids thing. Yeah. So yeah, I think, the, no, that's fine. I, I think the biggest thing with the, with the kids is like, you just have to care, right? You just have to care without oh. overprotecting them, protect them enough to where they might fall and hurt themselves, but not seriously. Right. Not like a helicopter parent though, at the same time. At the same time. Right. That's what mm-hmm. I mean. Like allow them a little bump and scrape here and there, uh, but just don't let them like really hurt themselves. Right. Like l- allow them, you know, to grow into their own selves uh, is, is kind of what I try to do. And I, you know, I help them as long as they're helping themselves, you know, and I will continue to do that. I will help them as long as they are helping themselves. Cause even though I might turn 65 or 70 and they're, you know, that, <laughs> you know, they're, they're grown humans now. It never turns off, right. You're, you're always going to be their parent. So, um, you got the 22 year old look, so it's, it's all good. It is all good. <laughs> yeah. No filters on the zoom call. No filters on the Zoom call. I, I look like I, I, I fell down and got hurt at, at work or something. Almost like that actually happened, right? Yeah, it, it did. <laughs> nah, I'm sorry to hear that, man. I know you're like super motivated to get back to work too or get back to the gym or both. Yeah. Or both. I want to do actually do my, my new goal is to start jujitsu. And then um, as I work deeper into that, more shooting, I'm doing a lot of training for, for free for um, survivors of domestic violence usually and uh, rape victims. That's cool. That's um, cool. Sadly, we have them in this world, but uh, over 75% of police calls are to people who are in domestic violence situations usually right now. That's a, a prioritized call because those usually lead to murders and stuff like that. So sure. I spent a lot of time, hopefully, uh, to and to continue to connect with these victims and teach them, hey, you know what? Come with me. I'm going to take you to the mountains with my guns, free charge with my ammo, and I'm going to spend some time showing you you don't have to be a victim and, or an easy one, and this is how you reclaim your life. And throwing bullets at things up in the mountains when it's beautiful nature and stuff is very helpful for these uh, a lot of times ladies but surprisingly a lot of them are males and uh it's it's crazy it's not talked about enough just like with men not talking about uh their own sexual assault enough so it's it's a a life of servitude man i was just gonna say it's like-minded you know it's a life of service and it also i'd say shooting uh, lifting weights, uh, jujitsu, all these things are empowering, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, in a good way, um, you know, I, I say this a lot at work, you know, like <laughs> I go for a run, uh, at lunch. I'm not quite as uh, Ironman triathlete as I used to be, but I still work out every day, 365 days. I mean, I have to be really sick or super busy to not make that or traveling, but that it's very rare that I don't get a workout in. And half of that is mental. Cause I'm a hard dude to piss off after a good solid one hour, you know, put it all out there, run. And I go into that meeting at 1300 and like, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm good. Like I got the clarity of mind. There's a lot there with movement and it kind of like EMDR and your eyes are moving. It's, it's a long drawn out thing I can talk about here in a minute, but you know, the point is uh, all of those things are very empowering. So it's important to notice that, right? Like, absolutely. notice what is coming up in the mind body connection. Cause that's huge. Like there's a lot going on in your body that's affecting your mind and the other way around. There's a lot of things going on in your mind that are manifesting in your body. This is why your hands get sweaty when you get nervous or you're, you know, why you're get butterflies in your stomach or when you get tense, when you get anxiety or whatever the, whatever the thing is, your body is smarter. The body keeps the score. The body knows uh, what's going on in your mind. 
So anyway, Absolutely. childhood was not perfect, but nobody's is. And that's, again, you're not alone. And I don't blame my parents for any of that. You know, they did the best they could. Uh, but I did probably join the military with PTSD already and already negative coping mechanisms that were not serving me. Um, and then, yeah, this, so like I said, I took the Navy seriously, man. And, I, you know, you saw that uh, later in my career. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to spend the whole time talking about my career. We can if, if it, you know, if the nuts and bolts really matter. But the biggest thing I would say is, I you know, I sacrificed a lot in order to do a lot. Uh, and I hurt some people around me because I over identified, uh, as a, as a deck officer, right. As a, as, as a an alpha male. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, I, there's a book called the five levels of attachment that I talk about a lot. Don Miguel Ruiz jr. You know, it, I over identified, these are things that I was not, you know, what I did. Uh, I was very good at it. I was, I was a very good deck LDO. I don't, say that with an ego or, you know, I'm just stating facts. I, I knew the pubs still know the pubs, uh, very excited to still work in that community. Uh, but I over identified in that I embodied the work that I was doing into who I was and that the two that does not work. It, it's a setup for failure. And I did my best, I would say to make rank fast. Uh, and what I talk about a lot is I lost sight of my character and my my value system or my virtues, because I was so worried about my reputation and my legacy. It was so important for me to make captain, to make 06, right. That, you know, I deployed when I probably needed to get some mental health. Right. Mm. Um, I got, you know, I had negative coping mechanisms such as Ironman triathlon where I over rotated on that. Like I wasn't just an Ironman triathlete. Like I was, I'm going to get on that podium you know, like I'm going to spend the time that it takes to do this. And maybe, you know, my wife at the time, my kids don't get as much time with me uh, because this is more important to me to fuel my ego than like you just gave me a uh, you know, great compliment. I appreciate that. But at that time in my life, I don't know that I, I'd say that I spent much more time fueling my own ego than, you know, and getting these accomplishments and accolades than I did. I, I categorize them as being of service, uh, but really I was doing it to fuel my own ego. How much rank can I make? How much money can I make? How many trophies can I put on the wall? Uh, you know, how many people can I chew out? Right. You know, like what, what, what are the things that will stack and help my ego? And that was probably my greatest failure I'd say in the military. And I, we can talk about what that led to in a minute, but you know, I don't hmm. know how much detail, uh, you'd like to go into with my career. Um, okay. Well, I, I just want to tap in real quick. There's this amazing quote and it ties into what you just said. Uh, it's by Bryson Gray uh, on one of his songs. I, I'm not a big fan of, of him because he's, uh, he says a lot of things just, just to rile people up. He's one of the conservative rappers and I love, uh, I'm, it's not a, a secret. I'm, I'm more conservative, uh, but I don't, I disagree with a lot of things he says. Anyways, what he says is you're serving the world. Are you ready for that conversation? And that, that, that statement was a very powerful thing he said, intermixed with his extremist, I would say, beliefs about uh, religion. And I'm not super crazy about religion, but um, everyone can take something away from something. There's a Bible, there's pieces of the Bible that mean the world to me, you know, Absolutely. even though I don't, I don't read it every day. But when he said that, it reminded me, hey, 
Like, are you really ready for this conversation? Like you're, you're facing yourself. You're not just here to serve yourself. If you, you, you want to, you say you're a good person, you say you're this, you're standing on this, this podium of this pedestal. What are you doing for everybody else around you? And that really, uh, you know, your self-awareness that you're talking about right now really yeah. reminded me of that. Yeah. Cool, man. I like that. Yeah. They, I, when I just kind of going off rails a little bit about spirituality, no matter what, it's better that you do have some sort of spiritual pack practice, uh, mm-hmm. Christian, Buddhist, Judas, I don't, Jewish, I don't, it doesn't matter to me what that, what that belief system is, but what that spirituality practice will give you first, it's a grounding practice, right? Keeps you, mm. keeps you grounded. And the way it keeps you grounded is because you understand that it's bigger than you, right? Not everything is about you. You're a part of, you're a small speck. Uh, now, you know, a drop in the ocean is a drop in the ocean and we need a drop in the ocean or the ocean would be one less drop, right? That's great. But it's bigger than you. So things that we think are so important that are so worth getting, you know, swept up about, you know, like I'm so worried about the next, uh, whatever thing that's going to come on the, the news channel, right. To, to click me in, you know, and, and I know watch the news and I, I stay current and I know what's going on, you know, but I don't, it's not about me. Not always, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, all I can do is go vote, you know, all I can do, there's, there's no reason for me to, think anything is solely about me usually uh you know 100% even like losing a job losing a relationship or somebody just speaking ill to you right a lot of times people are ready to chop you down because they have unresolved trauma right so this is why they're chopping at you uh and it's probably not even about you it's that they were sexually abused when they were a kid and still haven't talked to anybody about it so you know they whatever the the thing is i i still believe that wholeheartedly a spiritual practice reminds us that it, it just puts our egos in check just a little bit, you know, like, Hey man, there's a lot out there. There's a lot out there that you don't understand quite honestly, because we're finite humans. Like how could we possibly understand? I can't see mm-hmm. into the, into the heavens. Right. So, yeah. And not everybody also, as a part of that is not everybody needs to read the Bible to understand. They can just listen to you or me or uh, anybody out here who, tries to be a service to others um humble yourself and love your neighbor it's not that difficult right. we don't all have to agree you know but you, we all need to to be to take ourselves down a notch and just realize that we're one p in this pod yeah. and it's not about us have some humility and respect your neighbors and you know have, have a conversation with them yeah man i speaking of humility like that's huge right like <laughs> it's uh I was in a commissioning ceremony a couple of weeks ago. A guy asked me to administer the oath and typically guys don't get up and say anything when they're doing the oath. They just stand up and read the oath. Right. Or should have it memorized, but you know me, I have to say something. Right. And I'm, oh, like, yeah. I'm like, Hey man, listen, um, I just want you to understand that, you know, the, the Mustang motto is it's hard to be humble when you're a Mustang. I'm going to flip that on its head. That's the most important thing you need to be as a Mustang. And I'm not saying you get all egoic, but look out in this crowd right here. This is your tribe. All these people are here, not because they have to be. They're here to support you and help you. So you're not alone out here. Don't, you know, I'll I'll share my humble pie story here in a minute. <laughs> but, uh, you know, don't be afraid. Don't think you've got it all figured out. Don't be afraid to reach out. This guy will help you. This guy will help you. I will help you. If I can't help you, I'll find somebody that will help you. You know, they're, they're utilize these resources out here and without shame. But a lot of times, you know, through these, large type a alpha male type personalities 
we we get lost in the sauce and we forget that sometimes we need to humble ourselves and notice what's going on for us, do something about it, which usually requires you get some help. And then, you know, you take those tools and hopefully pay it forward once you've come through the tunnel, right? That's, that's the ideal situation uh, for, for, for me and in, in my perspective on, on the human condition, that would be my perspective is that you don't just come through the tunnel and not bring people with you, right? You just come through the tunnel and then you're like, all right, I'm good. Guess what happens? You'll go through the hero's journey, uh, which I would invite somebody to Google the hero's journey. It's a very good story. Uh, Joseph Campbell, but the, the idea is like, it's all cyclical, right? So the, the hero takes on the event. Well, he gets the call to adventure. Then he ignores the call. Then the call just keeps knocking at his door. And then finally he, he accepts the call to adventure. And then, you know, he has some setback, right? Like he goes into battle and like, doesn't, doesn't win the battle. Then he drinks the elixir, finds out the magic, you know, the, the, the secret code to the cheat code. Right. And then he, slays the dragon, marries the princess, and then life is good again. And then guess what happens? There's another call to adventure, right? Like it's, oh, yeah. it just goes over and over again. So the idea is, uh, you know, to, to bring people with you so that everybody can learn these lessons together. So. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, man. Um, then I, you know, I, I moved on to, uh, you know, I commissioned uh, just, I think most people that are going to listen to this have some relevance to that, uh, you know, came in E1 uh, from the hood, basically. And, uh, nothing from the track. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah. you know, made, made my way up to, to LDO uh, without, a, without a degree. I ended up getting a degree. Which later. is amazing, by the way. I, there's, I don't, like, I, can't, I can name four people who've done that. Yeah. Was, you're one of them. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a great accomplishment. I was very proud. My family was very proud. But also, I would have to say that was that was a team effort, right? There, there was no way I could have done anything that would pad the the package that I submitted to make LDO without the sailors that a trained me, right, and mentored me and taught me, a, you know, how to do this job, and then b and probably more importantly, the sailors that worked for me that did a good job to, so that we met mission and we got, you know, the operational accomplishment, those things got done, right? Like we did a HADR mission on an LSD when I was the bosun, maintenance officer, MOGAS officer, crane officer, D-bar control officer, you name it, man, aviation control man, or aviation facilities coordinator. None of that, none of those titles that I could put on my fitness evaluation, my fitness report, or those awards or any of that, or the packages for promotion and stuff, none of that wouldn't have happened without at least 300 people doing their jobs. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So it's really important. I think even at that time, I think I did understand that, that it wasn't, I did not get there alone. I knew that very young that in order for me to be successful, almost I'd say 90% of the people that work for me need to be even more successful, right? That's how, you know, your best, your best asset as a leader is unlocking the potential of those that, are under your tools that are that are in your charge. If I can unlock the best version of you, that's only going to not only move the needle for the command and, and you know everyone around us, but it's going to help me out too. It's mutually beneficial. Nobody loses. You know, oh man, you actually talked about that uh, when we served together, which is really crazy. Uh, you talked about uh, even you were such uh, a I would say an iron fist of a of a person. Mm -hmm. but you spoke so, so with it, with such an even keel. Like I didn't, I didn't get off a lot of, the, uh, 
of other officers and other other chiefs, not BMC Brontes, of course, but other chiefs around there, they would kind of look at you with this weird look like, I don't know how to put my, put my finger on him. I knew who you were exactly off the bat. I'm like, this guy, he's going through some shit. He's got some things going on, but ultimately he's still here. He's still present. You tried to impact my life. You definitely did have an impact on my life. Mm. Like I remember when my, uh, my whole entire universe kind of collapsed and I didn't know, like I was kind of lost to see too. I've been there. I've been lost at sea when going through ship, losing my dad, and yep. when we were deployed and going through all the emotions. You were uh, a beacon of light in those in those moments, and I could always rely on on somebody who acts strong even when they're hurting to to kind of give me a little bit of strength through it as well. But you said that uh, that as we as we are all in a part of a team, that no matter what we're going through, no matter what how small of a portion we provide, every single one of us is important. And that lit up some of the faces of the kids who were fresh out of high school who, who never even knew what the military was until oh, a recruiter yeah. offered them a job. Like that really made the difference for all of us as well. No, I appreciate that too. Yeah. It's, I, you know, I say it, there are some, I've, I've talked about this at nauseum, but you know, a lot of people try to climb the ladder and then they get to the top of the ladder and they're like, Oh shit, this is the wrong building. Like I was climbing the absolute wrong building. Right. And so that's just human nature to want to climb ladders uh, and what I say when people come to me for like commissioning programs and stuff like that, first is like, understand what you're applying for. But two, you know, you don't need to like the Navy needs good chiefs. Look at Mundi Brantes, right? Navy needs that guy to be in the chief's mess. That's exactly. Hey, they need, they need him to to train all chiefs, like get rid of them all. Like, <laughs> I, just, just, I, I hate, to, I hate to be that guy. I don't want to write his, write his stuff or whatever, but. Uh, sure. No, I love Moody. We need more people. We need more people like him. And yeah. he had such a powerful impact on everybody he touched. They didn't, even if they didn't like him at first, after a while, they're like, oh, you know, yeah, Chief is kind of cool. I don't he know. grew on me. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's the thing is we need in society as well, not just in the military, in society, I need, I need a bricklayer, you know, and if you're a bricklayer, there are three ways you can look at it. You know, I walk up to one bricklayer and he's like, what are you doing? I'm laying this brick. I walk up to the second bricklayer and he's like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm building a wall. And you walk up to the third bricklayer and you say, what are you doing? He said, I'm building the cathedral that one day people are going to come and worship in. Okay, great. You know, I need all three of you guys, right? I really do. I, I, I need, I need a bricklayer to, to accomplish this greater good. Uh, so that's just one thing to keep in mind, right? It's like, no matter how good you are, you don't get anywhere without the help and support of somebody else, whether that's your family, you know, those you work with your society, your, you know, if you're religious, your spiritual uh, practice, all these things that, you know, they, it's, I say a lot, like it's all connected. It's not one thing, you know, your, your health, your, your overall wellness uh, is not one thing. Sometimes people over rotate on money or people over rotate on appearance, you know, or health, right. And, or they over rotate on um, my work or, you know, it's all connected. You know, if you're, if you're, you could have six pack abs, but you're $40,000 in debt. Well, you're probably really not it's like spokes in a wheel, right? If one spoke is out of true, if one spoke is bent, that wheel is not, not rolling straight down the road. Right. So, you know, I think that's important to keep in mind is that everything matters. Like it's all connected. Your, your physical health, your mental health, your, your, even your finances. Like I don't get, like, I wouldn't call myself, you know, finance expert. I have friends who are finance experts, you know what I mean? And I ask them about stuff. Um, but I also don't want to be in debt right? Like that's a hard place to be. It's a scary place to be, especially when you have people that depend on you, right? 
And then that's going to weigh on when you have people that depend on you. Then that's going to weigh on your mental health, right? Like, where's my next paycheck coming from? How am I going to like, now I'm like kind of ranting, but it's like, I've said to this before when people are like, you know, what, you know, oh, what's up with that guy? Like, well, he's just never been hungry. And by hungry, I mean, like, literally, like I've been hungry. Like I've had no food in the fridge. I don't know where my next meal is coming from. <laughs> like I've legit been hungry. Like that's, it makes you work harder. Anyway. It does. Uh, so yeah, man, uh, let's, let's just get right into probably the, 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 the cliffhanger here. So it's doing well in the Navy, uh, not doing well in my personal life. And I don't, uh, ever, ever say anything bad about, uh, the mother of my children. It doesn't serve me. It doesn't serve her. I can only own my part of that relationship. And my part of that was that I wasn't really participating because I was too busy, uh, trying to be the best officer. I could be the best triathlete. I could be the best, you know, everything that didn't involve her in our relationship, which was wrong. Do you feel like you were running from something I when you were running all those miles? Yes, of course. I hadn't dealt with everything was uh, compartmentalized completely. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, it was another negative coping mechanism. People have, uh, some people are gambling addicts. Some people are food addicts. Some people are drug addicts. My thing was, you know, I'm going to work out and I'm going to drink, you know, and I, you know, I'll still have a beard. Like, I'm not saying I don't drink anymore, but I do it responsibly. And I understand my relationship to it. Right. I'm not, if I'm angry, I'm, I'm probably not going to drink. Right. Like that's yeah, probably absolutely. the worst time to have a drink. The know? worst. Um, so, you know, I love my, I loved my wife at the time and I don't say anything negative about her, but the relationship was not going well. And if you mm -hmm. look at it on Facebook, Jeff Bayless is crushing it in life. Deck LDO, killing it in the career, great reputation. Uh, he's got the, you know, the wife, the white picket fence, two and a half kids, you know, the stereotype, you know, everything, uh, that was outward appearance was great. But what you don't know is like when I'm going home, uh, I'm not, I'm not happy. And so this is why I'm trying not to be home. And I won't get into the details because it's not, not because I'm embarrassed about or anything, but it just doesn't matter actually. But, yeah. uh, the, I got an accident, uh, under the influence of alcohol after we got in a fight and I was escaping again, uh, negative coping mechanism, uh, police officers showed up, said, Hey, you know, that's not, uh, th this accident wasn't actually your fault. Uh, but, uh, because you have the odor of alcohol on or about your person, guess who, guess who's getting a DUI and getting, and, and rightly so, because what I would say is if, even though the other guy kind of came over the line, uh, if I had been sober, my reflexes, I would have been able to react. Um, so mm -hmm. I own it, man. I, I own it. And I, I think even in that, in that moment, I owned it, you know, I was like, got it. I understand completely what's going on here. Uh, came to the ship, reported it to the ship. Uh, you know, then the fight for my career began. Uh, oh yeah. I remember. Uh, let me just see if I can rattle it off. So I was $40,000 in debt. Uh, I was facing a DUI out in town. Uh, when, when I couldn't drive for about two years, uh, cause that's how long it took for everything to pan out. Um, my promotion was withheld. And the problem with that was if I didn't promote, I was going to get kicked out. Uh, and uh, I was facing a board of inquiry, which is, you know, uh, basically a administrative separation court procedure uh, in the military. Not, not as bad as a court martial, but right under that. Uh, 
then I was facing a detached for cause, which that one kind of hurt me the worst, uh, getting kicked off the ship because the captain didn't trust me to lead sailors anymore. Uh, and I built relationships on the ship, right? With- Hell yeah, you did. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was just very embarrassed about all of this. And I'm driving an aircraft carrier in the middle of the Persian Gulf, got 150 people, you know, that look up to me. Um, let's let's do the uh, obligatory air quotes because not everybody looked up to me. But, you know, in the military, that's how the structure is is set up. Right. If you're a, a department head or an assistant department head you know, by by rank and file, they should. Right. And I'm air quoting should again. Because, you know, there's something to be said for building a meritocracy where people respect you on your merit, not on your collar device. But that's a whole nother story. Um, but so I've got all this going on and I'm driving that aircraft carrier. Literally, any man, every day I'm walking up there, I'm thinking about killing myself, thinking about how I can do it. Like, what's the easiest way? What will leave the least impact? Um, and I flew home. Uh, it's a long story, but I flew home, got divorced, came back to the ship, got kicked off the ship. And then kept battling for my career. Um, and there's a long drawn out process. And I think for the military folks, if you want to hit me up in, on person, I can explain it. But what I learned through that whole process was that it's different for everybody. There, It doesn't even honestly make a whole lot of sense. What I can tell you is that it's very individualized. What happens to somebody that gets in trouble as an officer? Uh, it, there, It depends on who briefs your record to the admiral. It depends on what your record was. It depends on the incident. Did you, were you in an accident? Was the accident your fault? You know, all of these things I think weigh in uh, and there's a lot of administrative loopholes, but I'll just tell you, even the biggest thing I learned through that was that at this time, I still wasn't getting help, bro. Like I still was not, I was like, let me run more miles. You know, I did quit drinking for a while, you know, but I didn't, I didn't deal with anything. I didn't say, oh, well, maybe the reason I'm, you know, this way is because the one thing I will say I did, and, and this is probably helpful. The one thing I did do right is I really started reading. You know, the thing I did wrong was shut down and get depressed and want to kill myself and not get any help. The thing I did do right was I really started picking up books and trying to work on myself. Instead of reading a rate training manual or NSTM or, you know, learning the intricate details of things that don't matter, I really started to look, why, why the fuck am I acting like this? You know, like how, how can I get better? You know, what, why am I doing this? And I could, you know, give you a book list when we're done here, but there's so many out there that's really, you know, I, I give book recommendations, but the, the, the real deal is like, just do the research. And then th- that's the thing I did, right. Started reading a lot of stoic philosophy, Marcus Aurelius, started reading some Ryan holiday, uh, you know, starting to get into stoic philosophy. And if you on the, on the edge, when you look at stoic philosophy, you think it's a hardened battle, hardened individual, like, you know, the, the, the warrior goes out and don't come back, either come back with your shield or on your shield. Right. Like that's not what stoicism, that's not what stoicism is about. Um, and so I don't want to, you know, give a lesson on stoicism here, but what I would say is that that was one thing I did. Right. And it was very helpful. Uh, also during this time, my, my wife now, uh, which we're about to celebrate our sixth uh, wedding anniversary uh, during this time, you know, so my, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention, I was also facing a divorce, you know, child support and custody battle at the same time as the DUI. Uh, so all oh, of this, it, I'm in a pressure cooker, right? And all I needed was oh, just yeah. a little vent on that, that Instapot, you know, <laughs> just a little oh, bit yeah. would have been nice. 
Um, but my wife, she's my wife now. Then we, I wouldn't say we were dating, but we were probably like very, very close to dating. Uh, nothing inappropriate, I would say, not only for uh, on her end, but on mine. We were just, we were friends before we got uh, intimately involved. We were friends for quite a while, actually. Um, and so she helped me out a lot, man. You know, she really saw through, first she cut through my bullshit. Uh, you know, she was like, yeah, that's an excuse. Yeah, that's a coping mechanism. I still love you, but that's what that is, right? <laughs> like, let's just call a spade a spade. Um, but honestly, Eddie, man, what she taught me, which is very powerful that for the listener and, and for you too, man, like, I want you to hear this. I know you probably know it, but like, you deserve to love yourself. You if know? I, if I, I can be honest, my wife tells me that so much. <laughs> yeah. You deserve yeah. to love yourself. And it's not selfish. Of course, there's a cliche saying, put your oxygen mask on first. All of that is true. But really, at its core, you need to love yourself enough to do the, the work, you know. And she taught me that very slowly. You know, it was, uh, you know, I say course corrections, you know, you, it was, to use a nautical term, you know, you don't you don't do a 180 by flipping the heart over rudder, right? It's one degree course corrections. And then finally, eventually you're at a, you're at 180 degree difference, but it's just that one trajectory change, that one degree trajectory change. And over time, just by her helping me kind of understanding what was going on with me, objectively looking at me from an outside, uh, an outside person that loved me that had no, no reason to, she didn't want anything from me. You know, she didn't need anything from me. She just wanted to see the best version of me which is also important because as society, not only do you deserve to love yourself, but we deserve the best version of you, right? Society deserves the best version of the individual so that the collective is overall better. So she taught me that uh, over time. I would say it wasn't just like one morning I woke up, I was like, aha, right? Like, oh, I love you now. It takes time, man. It yeah. takes time to love yourself. Look in the mirror for me it was definitely difficult for a lot of times i i deal with a lot of guilt and re self-resentment and and uh i've had i've had my clash with the suicidal thoughts thankfully i had uh i think my last brush in with with being my lowest low i was you know it's funny i'm gonna say this i was drunk and i don't drink to get drunk ever i drink you know and i'll and i'll stop drinking when i feel like i'm i'm intoxicated and i don't want to i never want to be in a spot where i can't take an hour to sober up and leave uh, a negative situation because I don't drink to, to have a bad time. I don't drink to have a good time. I drink to, to celebrate life and stuff like that. But um, I was drunk. And thankfully, if it wasn't for the, the four people that I had over at the time um, who knew me so well, and one who didn't know me too well, but she just had a great heart. Um, my, my brother Devin and his lady Denise and, and my wife, they, uh, they pulled me off the fucking rails. And I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, I was, but I I knew I couldn't live like this anymore. I couldn't live in a in this a, a life of guilt, and change. that's when I forgave myself. Yeah, yeah. and that's what I forgave mm -hmm. myself because we all deserve to love ourselves. We can't look in the mirror and be like, "I'm ashamed of you." You know, that's not healthy. No. So, uh, thankfully, I, I started talking about my problems, and I uh, I revamped my podcast and started talking to great people and and sharing our our own issues and. As, as I listen to other people, I'm listening, I'm listening to your story and it shakes me to my core every single time. I, I usually listen to 
other people's issues and, and things that they've fought through and, and why they're still here when they've had an issue. And, and I get, I'm like covered in, I'm like sweating, like I'm in the fifth, in the, in the fifth fleet right now, because, <laughs> because, because I'm, I'm having to, to also be reminded that, Hey, I have issues too, and I should work on them as well. And so yeah. it's always amazing to listen to. So I'm happy she was there for you, man. I appreciate that. I, I think to add on to what you're saying, uh, not a butt statement I'm adding on to, you're never done. You know, never. You're, you're never done. And it, that's, that's, that's an aha moment because it gives you a little bit of grace when you have a setback, right? Like I have had, I've had a negative thought. And this is important too, man. You know, you're not your thoughts. You're your interpretation of your thoughts. So you're going to have negative thoughts. It's, it's human nature to have a negative thought. Now, when you have that negative thought, whatever it is, I want to beat this guy up. I want to sleep with her. You know, I want to steal this can of tomatoes from Walmart. You know, whatever the thing is, it's a negative thought. Well, then what action did you take on that? right? What action did you take on that? Did you, did you do the right thing? And if you do the right thing over time, those just become, you know, muscle memory to use like a shooting term, right? It, it becomes once those reps and sets, then it just becomes, that's the way you think all the time, right? Hopefully. But when one creeps Absolutely. in, when one negative thought creeps in, like I should just kill myself. Well, don't over rotate on that. Don't, don't say, okay, well now I'm just going to keep thinking about that keep thinking about that, keep thinking, obsessing how, and then I'm going to start to plan it out. Right. Like I, I know, I don't know, you know, the full uh, things that were going on in your mind, but for me that there, there was definitely like a couple of plans, you know, a couple of, couple of, like I had fully thought it out. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's important, like not just when you have thoughts, but how do we interpret these thoughts? I mean, I haven't had a suicidal thought in years, uh, but I, I would say as a lesson, and it's kind of hard to explain and it's kind of hard to understand and it's kind of woo-woo at the same time, but it's very true. When a negative thought pattern, find a way to, to, to jump track to something else, right? Dismiss that thought immediately. Oh, I should just kill myself. Well, and uh, my wife loves me. So next, you know, like find some way yeah. to break that pattern so that, you know, and, and this is with everything, uh, you know, I say, and I'm like, disclaimer, not a doctor, not a therapist, but just hold on a little bit, right? Like exercise yeah. a little bit of patience, right? And that may be same thing with like food, right? Like I want that Snickers bar, but I'm going to eat it in 30 minutes. Buy the Snickers bar, hold on to it for 30 minutes. If in 30 minutes, you still want that Snickers bar. All right. I mean, it wasn't an impulse, you know, Hey, I, I, I want to uh, get that tattoo. Okay. Put it in which everybody, you know, I got tattoos on my hands for Christ's sake, right? So I'm not, I'm not anti tattoo. God forbid a sailor get a tattoo. I'm covered in tattoos. I have no covered. Idea. I have no idea how much money and time. And, you know, I love tattoos. I'll go get it. If somebody called me right now and said, like, Hey, man, you want to go get a tattoo? I'd be like, Yeah, which, which shop? I know a couple of guys. So not a bad tattoo. Not a, I'm very pro tattoo. I appreciate the art and the light. You know, I, I get it. But put it on the calendar especially if it's your first tattoo, right? Put it on the calendar. And if you still want it, you know, after, you know, whatever that date is, we'll just hold on for a little bit, right? Just hold on for a little bit. And if in 30 days or two weeks, whatever we've decided, if you still want that tattoo of that person's name on your body, well, okay. You know, I mean, you thought it through, you weren't drunk at the bar and I operated under an impulse, right? And then did something that you would regret. Um, I did. I am both can be super dangerous. Mm. Absolutely.
Yeah. And yeah. Again, it goes to noticing. So in the moment, notice that this is an impulse, right? And sometimes, dude, like I'll do impulse things and I'll be like, I know this is an impulse, but I'm going to do it anyway. Right. And, and, but at least I'm taking credit for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I own Absolutely. that this is an impulse decision. Um, and, and sometimes indecision is the worst decision, right? So sometimes mm -hmm. it, it is better to make a decision in, a, in an impulse. Uh, say, you know, I know this is near and dear to your heart, but say if it deals with somebody's safety or uh, something to that, that level, you, act. You, you don't have time for patience in those moments. But in moments, not. Yeah. in moments when you're saying, you know, I want to do a destructive behavior to myself, I want to cut my legs to watch them bleed because uh, that makes me feel good in this moment because I'm hurting maybe just hold on for like five minutes and then string a few more five minute, you know, together before you pull out that knife and, and, and do something to mutilate your body, you know, try to try to hold on just a few minutes. Uh, and if you can't, you know, find something else to do, right. Find, find someone to call someone you trust. And maybe you don't even have to talk about that, but just talk about something else, right. Find somebody you trust and plan something. So you have something on the calendar to look forward to. Right. Mm -hmm. That was, that was good for me too. It's like, Oh, well, okay. It sucks that I have to fly home to go get divorced and plead guilty to a DUI while I'm in the middle of deployment. But you know, while I'm home, I'm not going to kill myself because I'll be surrounded by my kids. Right. Something to look forward Excellent. to. I had something on the calendar to look forward to. I'm going to take the kids to Bush gardens. I can't afford it. I'm $40,000 in debt. I'm flying home on my own nickel you know, exhausting all my leave to come out here and deal with all this stuff to fly back to the ship. Lowest moment of my life. But you know what? For those eight hours, I'm going to watch my kids smile on roller coasters. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have that to look forward to. And another thing I think too is, you know, that gives you hope, right? This is, I think this is the number one reason for suicide is people just completely lose hope. You don't think that it's ever, well, let me just speak from my own experience, of course, but you just don't think it's ever going to get better. Well, I can tell you the people that do kill themselves, it doesn't get better. You know, the people that hang in there. Uh, I, I think everybody, I, you know, everybody I know that has had suicidal ideations, they, they have like really good lives now, man. You know, like they held on. So, you know, just hang in there, be a little patient, reach out for help, try to redirect put something on the calendar, something to look forward to and don't lose hope. Don't surrender. You know, it's worth it. Don't pass the pain. Well, and then you'll be a better version of you. <laughs> like, Hey man, I was an asshole. You know what I mean? <laughs> a, li a little bit. Sometimes, sometimes you don't have to be polite, man. It's cool. Like I, I no, know that no. Some, sometimes, sometimes you definitely were, but I understood it because I, I saw what you for what you were. And I, I wish, honestly wish I, I just broke my, my little shell of, of being a, and try to be respectful and just said, Hey, I, I don't, I know, you know, I'm, I'm just a junior ass sailor. Uh, I've taken a lot of time to understand psychology and I've seen a lot of people hurting. Are you all right? And you know, maybe that would have been a, a better way to do it. And after Absolutely. you, um, after you, you left, uh, I had somebody come open it up to me about their own suicidal thoughts and I was able to intervene and it's, uh, all my, my biggest accomplishment ever in my life other than marrying my wife, who's just a, amazing to me um has to be stopping people from committing suicide i've i've had the pl distinct pleasure of stopping over 40 people from ending their own lives that's and amazing a couple of them a couple of them had been multiple times and i don't look at it like a like a you know gold star on my wall i got a lot of gold stars but it's not for that 
Um, I look at these as things I would gladly do again. And every single time I do that, I can recognize the signs a little bit more. And uh, intervention is essential. Um, checking on people is essential. Pulling people off the rails of the back of our aircraft carrier with Andy and Smitty is essential. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know, uh, when watching watching uh, Chief Brontes and and Doug Osbury run and almost eat shit up the stairs on the fantail to get to that. Once once Andy calls in over the radio is essential. Yeah, uh, stopping some dude from jumping out of the flight deck is, was essential to me. Yeah, um, talking to talking to people on the bridge who are officers and they look like they got that thousand yards there. I'm like, hey man, you all right? Uh, that was all worth it to me. Absolutely. And it's, it's, and it's definitely worth it to, to intervene. So the more I do it, the better I get at it. And there's not always a perfect approach. Everybody's different. Everybody's going through a different thing, but um, my, my, I'm, I'm thankful only once I've had to, there has been a firearm involved and, and thankfully that I was able to, you know, get close enough to just say, hey, you know, I got this now, man, you can let go. It's okay. And, you know, of course, they break down crying afterwards because they're yeah. just hurting. Yeah. And so thankfully, I've been able to do that. And I look forward to doing it more. Uh, it's really uncomfortable for conversation for people to deal with and live with. But you know what? They, not everybody's built for it. But uh, me looking out helps me, helps them. And uh, it's another reason not to hurt myself if I'm ever in a low spot. I get a reminder. Also, I've had to deal with it occupationally now. Um, I'm, in, I'm in the elevator industry. And... We just lost a guy. I had to to help clean out his apartment with his sister, and that was the worst. Yeah. Hearing that that gut wrenching scream as she walks into the room for the first time, having to hide stuff so she didn't see it to be more traumatized was tough. I had a, to recruit one of my buddies who was in the military, and we we linked up later. And yeah, it, it never gets it never gets easy to deal with, but doing it is so worth it. That's a good helping point. other people is all worth it. First of all, man, thank you. That's amazing. Um, that, you know, I think that to, to on that thread that there's, there were people that knew that wouldn't say anything, you know, and to be honest, had they said anything, I would have probably blown it off, but it's somewhere in my subconscious in places I don't talk about, I'd have been like, you know, especially if you had approached me. No, if you you'd approached me and said like, "Hey, AFL, you look jacked up today, man. You take a day off." That'd have been one thing. But if you come up to somebody that you know, like, "Hey, man, everything okay?" Like, you don't have to tell me, but you know, I just want you to know. Like, if you need to talk, like, I'm cool. No judgments on. Like, no worries, dude. And even if they don't take you up on that, you put it out there, and that person now is forced to think about things, you know, like, oh my God, like that was really deep. Like that guy, <laughs> you know, he didn't just like come slap me on the butt and go like, Hey, good game. Uh, you know, get it together. And next, now we got to go to the unrep station. Right. It's like, Hey man. And that, that's what I try to do. Like, Hey man, you don't have to, you don't have to pump it up for me. You know what I mean? Like there's no need to be extra. It's, it's, it is what it is, dude. If, if you're ready to talk, I'm here. And if, you know, if I can help, great. But, you know, just even if they don't take you up on that, I think as, if, if I'm giving advice, which nobody asked me for, but if I'm giving advice to somebody who uh, knows somebody that, you know, they know is, is struggling, maybe don't beat yourself up so bad if they haven't taken you up on the help. Mm. Because you may be helping and they aren't 
they don't have the social skills to tell you that you're helping, you know, but in a way you are just because they don't go, Hey, you know what? Thanks, man. Thanks, man. You know, I was going to kill myself today, but since you just said like, you know, what you said to me, I'm not going to do it. So appreciate that. Yeah. Not everybody works like that. You coming up and saying to somebody, I remember this very distinctly, my roommate on the TR, I won't say his name publicly. I don't, he's a very private person, um, but we weren't like super good friends or anything. You know, we weren't really closely connected, not in the same community at all, not in the same spiritual beliefs at all. Very different. The only thing that's same was we were both white guys, um, but I'm standing quarter deck watch, right? And I can't think of anything else except for this DUI now. And he comes up and just pulls a Jolly Rancher out of his pocket and puts it on the podium. It's like, hey, man, hang in there. Something as small as that got me through that day. I was like, how oh, cool, man. First of all, who carries Jolly Ranchers around in their pocket? But, you know, second. Not me. <laughs> I, mean, either. I, think I, I think I remember your, I think I remember your roommate. I can't. I can't. Yeah, I remember a face. I remember a face. I'm not going to say names. So. Yeah, but no, I, I like the guy. You know what I mean? Like, we, we just, we weren't super close. But even just that little bit, you know, really, it got me through that watch, if nothing else. You know what I mean? Like, it got me through that that next couple of hours, probably through the day. Just little things like that when you don't know that, that you really are making a difference. Like this podcast, you know, we'll see some downloads. We'll, you know, we'll share it out. We'll get some likes and all like that, you know, but you don't really know. You don't know who you're impacting. So do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Right? It may scare you to death. You may not get the the return on your investment you were hoping for. You know, I'll I'll go give a talk to 300 sailors and get a standing ovation and then a hundred of them wait behind and want pictures with me. Like, Oh man, you're so great. Like, can I take a picture? And you know, can, can, can we, can I get your number or can we connect on Facebook? And then I'll get one where it's like, they kind of clapped. I didn't really, you know, there was no laughter. I don't really know. You know, it didn't, didn't quite, didn't quite land as well from my perspective, but you just don't know. You don't know. Absolutely. Somebody might walk out of there and go, man, like I'm too shy to go talk to that guy, but you know, I'm going to go call the 1-800 number. You know what I mean? Or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hang out later and like come back in here and pray about something. Yeah. You know, something. you just don't know is my, my point. Um, but yeah, so then uh, just to kind of finish the loop on the life story, if we're doing that, because we could talk philosophy all day, uh, which I love It's my favorite topic. Um, but the, you know, the, the how and the why I should say. Uh, but so basically what happens, I, I fought for my career for a very long time. It was a rough six years of battling to get to a, uh, to a retirement status. And, and I did light at the end of the tunnel. And that's why I bring it up, not to make the, not to share my life story. Like it's some, uh, you know, thing to glean, uh, you know, I'm not up here prevaricating that, you know, I've got it all figured out. But I do have some hard urban wisdom. And so that's why that I, I want you to, uh, or I want everyone to understand that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And that's why I share that, or why it's important to talk about, you know, how things turned out. Right. Um, Absolutely. I did get forced retired out of the Navy. It broke my heart. It broke my heart. All I wanted to do was stay in the Navy for 30 years, 38 years, make captain, be the next community leader of the deck community. Um, that didn't work out, but you know, it did work out. I got a great job. I'm a GS. My wife is amazing. Our relationship 
has had some ups and downs, but man, it's, it's the best love I've ever known. And in fact, I would say I didn't even really know love until I knew my wife and, and, and my kids, of course. I mean, Jesus, how do you, I don't understand how anybody could not, anyway, it's a totally different subject, but I didn't know relational love other than my kids until my wife. So, you know, here I've got all these great things going on. Um, and you just have to kind of, if you can hang in there, see the light at the end of the tunnel and then come out the other side of that tunnel with some gratitude for what you've been through and who you've been able to help after the fact. Well, that's, that's a great place to be in life. And that's where I am, man. I'm just super humble, super grateful, and just happy that one, I, I didn't take my life and that I did persevere. And I did make a lot of little decisions to get myself in a place in life where I'm mildly successful. I don't have to, uh, seriously worry about a whole lot of things right now because I make a lot of little decisions that put me in a position to where I don't. Um, but man, I, you know, there were, there were a million different ways that that whole thing could have panned out. Uh, absolutely. And it, it, you know, it was just a lot of, a lot of little, a lot of little course correction that needed to be applied. And a lot of that had to do with humility, uh, self-awareness, you know, educating myself, uh, like I said, maybe an ego dissolution where, you know, it's not about me, a spiritual practice, you know, letting, letting go of a lot of things that were outside of my control. There's only so much I can control. I can't control what the board says. Can't control that. I'm getting, I'm, I am getting forced out of the Navy. That is happening. You know, I'm going to have to find a job. I need to work. Right. And to find one that's fulfilling is important to me. Right. So maybe that first job, uh, you know, is not fulfilling, but I'll do what I have to do until I find one that is. And, uh, you know, uh, kind of save the teaser, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to another job. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll show you here. I'm going to another job here uh, very soon that I'm, I'm very humble and, and, and also proud of that, that I, that I've got selected for this, this next chapter in my, in my career, which will put me back. That's in exciting. Deck. Yeah. Well, it's back in the deck community uh, and still serving the Navy. Yeah. Wow. So <clears throat> You know, that's, man, that's, I think that's it, bro. <laughs> that's badass. Yeah. That is badass. Absolutely badass. I don't, there's like no other way to say it. Um, there's this um, really awesome Nickelodeon show called Avatar. And uh, in one of the episodes, this, uh, this, this one of these act, one of these, um, these characters in it says, wow, I feel all smoothed over like a rock. I, uh, I always <laughs> get that same feeling. Um, when I hear people talk about their life story and, and what they've learned from just a portion of it, like you talk about it from a career standpoint, you were in the Navy and you've gone through, you know, ups and downs and, and but serious lows and serious highs, badass, accomplishing all your goals, want to, want to kill yourself. You know, you seeing your kids unhappy with your current situation as far as your, your, your marital status. And and how to persevere through that and get through that always helps me feel all smooth over like a rock. It's, it's like kind of the cheesiest way of saying it, but I, I can never get over that feeling. Um, I just wanted to shed some light on the situation. Um, I think the biggest rumor uh, that was ever around there, and I know you probably think about in the moment or after the moment, God, what was everybody saying about me? Uh, oh, yeah. One thing I could tell you is this. This is the true thing I heard the most. How the hell did he get a DUI running in spandex or on a bike? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I want you to just 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 know uh, everyone was so like 
wowed by, you know, everything you do. And, I, and people are still are wowed. I went and met up with Labarge in Las Vegas and all, all we, we talked about you and, and, uh, and yeah, he, he follows your story. He follows my story. And uh, it's always great to see you persevere. I look at the pictures of you speaking in front of sailors. That's it. That's, that's the mission. Uh, helping other people who are fresh out of school, gone in the military because they didn't know where they were, what they had else, or because they didn't have anywhere else to go. Like I, I know I had nowhere else to go. I left for the Navy because that was it. I didn't have any, I didn't have a home. I was, I had no home, literally no family, no home. Everyone was, they cast me out. That was it. Now, thankfully I've strengthened my fire position and have a good relationship with my parents and stuff. But um, at, the, at the time I didn't have that. So it's always really awesome to hear that. And, Wow. I, I, I'm going to have to get that reading list from you because you certainly know a lot more big words than me. So I really don't get it. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I, no, I, I appreciate it's just, it's always, I appreciate all that. You know, yeah. I would uh, I would also say you're giving me a lot of credit and I, I do, you know, I acknowledge that because nobody wants to give a gift that you're not going to open. Right. Uh, that, yeah. That's the worst thing when you give somebody a gift card and they don't use it. Right. So mm. I received the gift. Eddie. I appreciate your kind words, man. That means a lot to me. Uh, so I don't want to gloss over that. That's very important to me that I acknowledge that you took the time. And I, I believe, uh, I, I wholeheartedly believe that, you know, the words you said were were exactly how you feel about me. And I, I really just want to take a moment to acknowledge that before I move on to the next thing, which is, you know, Absolutely. the, the you're, you're all, the, the idea fairy is coming in with all this great information. We're in the age of technology. We've got the internet, we've got books, we've got audiobooks like you talked about. We've got podcasts, podcasts like this one. We've got influential people that are, you know, trying to do positive things out in the community, right? So they're getting in front of large crowds, spreading information. And I kind of use the analogy of like a bullhorn, you know, some of these thoughts are my original thoughts. And then when somebody else repeats them, I'm like, that's great. That guy just bullhorned what I'm talking about. Or if I bullhorn something else that somebody else was talking about, great. You know, that's what we need is to hockey stick up by people utilizing their bullhorns, utilizing their platforms and don't be so it again, it's not about you. So, you know, great. I, I, I receive that and I, I take that, but the credit belongs to all of the, you know, people in the arena, uh, you know, to use a TR quote, right. That all the people in the arena that are sharing this good information. And then it just kind of makes this nice um, algorithm, you know, in your, in your head. And you, you're just kind of like, well, now this is stuff that I know. Right. And I, it's important to me. So I feel compelled to share all of these ideas that not only from my experiences and people that I've talked to and, you know, people that I know, but things that I've read and things that I've seen. And, you know, I can't remember where I got that quote or that, you know, that idea. I don't remember. I don't, but I know it's important. So I'm going to reshare it and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I may not always give somebody the right copyrighted because I don't remember. I don't know. I don't know where all these ideas come from. I know that it's my job. It's your job. It's any the job of anybody that cares about humanity as a whole or the individual is to not hold on to something and keep a secret, right? We're saying the military never be the senior man with a secret, right? I got, I got no secrets, dude. Like this information is out here. These ideas are out here and they're helpful, like deeply, immensely, importantly helpful. And for somebody to not somebody not to share that to me is almost a crime, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's, it's almost like stepping on somebody's neck to get up. You know, I don't, I, I don't need to do that. I just need to share the good information, share the love and 
I know and trust that it'll be reciprocated in some way or another, you know, hundred percent. those that's, you know, that's a karmic belief. I don't, you know, I'm not here to preach or, you know, say that you should believe in karma, but I do think that energy is important. And if you put positive energy out, positive energy comes back and vice versa. If you put negative energy out, negative energy comes back and that's, and it's warms. It's just an easy decision for me. I want positive energy. I want a good life. I want positive people in my life. I want to not worry about finances. I want to not worry about my health. I want to not worry about what happens to me when I die. I don't want to worry about anything. I just put out positive energy. Positive energy comes back. It's amazing. It's simple. It's, 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 I'm almost oversimplifying it, but that is the truth. You know, that's true. Conor McGregor talks about that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, man. Shoot. I don't know. How do you feel, bro? I kind of, I, I kind of zoomed through. That's what God. happens when you get interviewed it, and I'm, you've been interviewed. So I know, cause you've been on my podcast. I don't remember the episode number, but you've been on here and I know that you, know, you had your wife's mom interview. And when you finish like, damn, I talk too much. But as an interviewer, I always, uh, honestly, man, like, I, that's great. It, it's, it's super important just to, just to be honest. I mean, we, a lot of times, uh, a lot of people ask me questions and they'll have me ask certain questions. And if I go bullet by bullet by bullet, like, what is this? What is this? What is this? It just destroys any natural conversation. So going off on tangents and, uh, you know, spiraling out is all good stuff. I have I had a guy on uh, my first episode of Service Sacrifice, Tilo, and he was like, dude, I just spiraled the whole time. And I said, you know what? You have gone through a lot of trauma and a lot of things. There's going to be some spiraling. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't mean that your story isn't hilarious. And the last 15 minutes of it, I was crying, laughing, trying not to burst out in tears the whole time. So um, when you share when you share parts of yourself, it's not going to look pretty. It's never going to look great. It's not a CNN interview where they say, oh, I don't like to answer the interviews over. Um, this right. is all great stuff where we're, where we're super honest. I had a, just one more question. So you talked about your experience in the military. You talked about you know, highs and lows. You talked about super, super lows where you didn't know what you, what else you could do. Um, something that we don't talk about enough in the military is the ridiculous amount of sexual assault. Mm -hmm. So you are someone who has been a enlisted sailor and a leader. What sexual, what impact does sexual assault have on a command, a command structure, its leadership and stuff like that? Because I know there's a lot of people who are going to listen to this that are in the military and you might not feel comfortable airing some shit out. Yeah, great. Um, so again, I, you deserve, we deserve the best version of you as a fighting force, as a military. And I'm speaking directly to the people that are, have experienced sexual assault. So from my experience, and as you said, I, I humbly accept that I am a servant leader. Uh, I have definitely had the great opportunity afforded to me to lead many countless sailors uh, at the tip of the spear. And what I what the biggest thing or the, the, the best uh, elevator pitch I could give to someone that is experiencing a, a circumstance or a situation where they have been sexually assaulted is we deserve the best version of you as a military, your command, your operational commander, the, the people that work for you and around you. Like I said earlier, we deserve the best version of you. And so I would posit the question, how can you be the best version of yourself when you're holding that inside? And so that's thing one. Thing two would be uh, because we deserve the best. Well, anybody that would do that, right, are, they are not the best. 
And I do believe that everybody deserves a road to redemption. And so I'm not, you know, here to cast judgment on the person that was assaulted or the person that initiated that assault. However, that being said, this organization requires the best of the best. And if on both counts, you can't have someone in that command and, you know, doing acts like that to other sailors or to other military members in general, uh, you know, that, that needs to go, uh, because we need the best. So to the person that is, or has sexually assaulted people that command, I would say we deserve the best. You need to go, uh, wish you all the best, wish you, you know, a recovery. I hope you get the help you need, uh, but not at my command, right? Not, not while I'm out here on deployment. Okay. So that, that needs to end. There's no, there's zero tolerance. Uh, definitely need to snuff it out. If it's a, a command uh, climate where this is an acceptable thing, that's unacceptable. Uh, and to the person, you know, that may be holding on to something like that again, please do the right thing to, and, and, you know, if you want to do a restricted report or unrestricted, I don't care, but we need the best version of you. And in order to get the, we, we deserve the best version of you. You deserve the best version of yourself. And the first step is, you know, like they say in AA or any of these other help groups, first step is acknowledging that it happened. Right. And then we can start doing something about it. But if we don't know, and there's nothing out there and you're not coping positively with it, I promise it's not going to end well for anyone. And most importantly, it's not going to end well for you. And that is what we care about. We care about the individual so that we can have the best possible operating force forward deployed in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, I don't think there's any better way to say it than that. I had to deal with, um, when I got back from our 2015 deployment with the TR, the command completely went to, I got to be honest, ever-loving shit. I mean, I'm not here to, to deface the Navy or talk bad about the Navy. The Navy is a great place for a lot of people. There's a lot of good people in the Navy. There's a lot of bad people in the Navy, just like with cops. You know, that's the easiest way I can tie those two together. Uh, we had, after the crew swap, we had a first lieutenant and a, a horrible, horrible divisional officer, Lieutenant Commander, o, Lieutenant Ojo, and he was, I think he was busted down for this, uh, sexually harassing and sexually uh, bothering our sailors, our junior sailors. Mm. Um, constantly, it was, a, it was a, an, an act, and I, uh, I was the first person to, to go to the um, the office. I, I forgot what the, the title of the office is, but it's where you would file a, a serious complaint about your uppers. Cause I was, I was already a borderline getting into arguments, uh, almost fist fights with these people. And, uh, <laughs> this, you know, you can't solve everything with your fists. And that's, that's one thing I could tell anybody who's in the military, you cannot solve this problem with your fist. If you're dealing with people in a positional power and they do not want to respond to their, their ideology and their egotistical ways of, oh, you're questioning me? And they gave me the hard time. I had to stay after a lot of days. Like when my wife was visiting from, like flew across the States to visit me. I was staying after yeah. to help do sweepers in, in certain areas because my sailors didn't sweep enough. Place was spotless. So I, so I, I, get, I get the whole backlash here. And a lot of young leaders are going to be worried about what someone says. Do the right thing. Confront it. <clears throat> call it out on the spot in front of everybody. And I've, I've I've, I've been pulled away. I've been pulled away by my BM3s uh, after getting in the face of an officer for sexually harassing my sailors. They needed to, sometimes they needed to see that, hey, we're going to break the status quo. 
we're going to stand up and say, hey, this is not okay. You're going to, you're going to, you know, sexualize your, your people under your, your leadership when everybody knows you've got a wife at home, man. And that's, that's beyond the point. If you want to be a dirtbag, that's your problem, but you're not going to sexually harass and, and try to press up on ladies cleaning your office just because you, you feel like you're special getting your office cleaned. And that is the most toxic trait that the, the Navy has. We saw the incident with Fort Hood, where we were literally having a group of young women and young men who were reporting the incidents be executed and left outside the base for dead uh, for reporting these sexual assaults and sexual harassment. So I, I definitely had a big issue with that. And it was difficult for me to, to go through that without but that bad guidance. I didn't have a good chain of command after Moondy left. Yeah. I didn't have a good chain of command after St. Chief Osbury left. I had a ever-loving shit show. And honestly, it was one of the, the major drivers of why I didn't change my mind and re-enlist on top of my family situation where they sent me to the wrong ship for, for three months. Um, right. <clears throat> but um, it, it's toxic. A lot of people talk about the Navy being toxic. It's poor leaders like that that do it. And uh, you said it best. We don't have room in, in our military for that. We can't, we can't do a job. We can't project power or any of the rest of the Navy's mi main missions. Uh, when we have young men and women who are, who've been raped, there's no way to, uh, they call it sexual assault. It's, it's like the worst crime against humanity. And we have our sailors hurting actively and our, and our, uh, our soldiers, our Marines, we have men and women everywhere that are hurting from this problem. And I think that it's not talked about a lot in the military and it's a, a big issue because sexual assault prevention and response, SAPR agents, they do an okay job, but they don't get the full support because it's usually a lot of kickback from upper chain of command. They would not send me to SAPR school, uh, surprise, surprise. Hmm. And so it's, uh, it's difficult for me to, I, I know multiple sailors who've been attacked. Um, when we were deployed, in 2015, our fit boss was trying to press up upon one of our soon-to-be BM3s, and uh, he 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 harassed her out in town. And a lot of us pe people who knew about it, and she wanted an unrestricted report. She didn't want to report it at all. So we did the right thing, and we made sure she was safe when she was out in town, so she wasn't preyed upon. But um, a lot of people don't have even a, a solid background to do that or any backing from the military. And that was one of the moments where I wished that we still had you there to. Because I knew you wouldn't stand for that shit. And it was difficult, difficult to swallow. It was a tough pill to swallow. And I didn't do too well about it. You know, I, I guess maybe the last thing I'll say here is, uh, which is important to what, in relation to what you just said, and also just in general, is do the right thing. And sometimes it's hard to know what the right thing is. But again, inaction is probably the worst action. But do the right thing. Most times you already know what the right thing is, but you want the confirmation bias. You, or you want somebody to tell you that you need to do the right thing. Well, you probably already know what the right thing is. You know, when I do coaching one-on-one, -on -one, you know, or mentorship or what, you know, a lot of times the people I'm talking to already know what I'm going to say. They already know the answer. Do I need to train today? Do I, you know, what do I need to tell me what to do? You already know the answer. You just want me to confirm it for you. And the answer is do the right thing, you know, do the right thing in, in all facets of your life again, you'll get that positive energy back. And sometimes the right thing is hard. You know, it's really hard. Like, here's one. Hey, this person's toxic, but we have the same last name. But I feel like I need to keep them in my life because we have the same last name. Wrong answer. Do the right thing. Protect yourself. Build a healthy relationship, a healthy boundary, 
And then if the healthy boundary is not respected, that person doesn't need to be in your life, you know? So, uh, yeah, in closing, man, I'm, you know, I'm sorry to hear all that. Uh, you know, I, I honestly didn't know a lot of that. Uh, but what I would say is to the greater, uh, population, you know, people listening uh, on your thread, you know, just do the right thing. You probably know what it is. You probably know, just do it. it it'll be okay. Maybe hard, might be hard, but it you'll feel better about it, you know? And people will respect you and you'll help somebody. Absolutely, brother. Well, thank you so much for your time, man. I cannot tell you uh, what a pleasure it is to just to listen to you and, and kind of gain perspective from you. I always try to pride myself in listening to smarter people than me who read more books. So, you know, you're definitely <laughs> one of those people who I can uh, attribute that to. So thank you so much for your time, man. Hey, thanks, Eddie. I appreciate everything you're doing, man. Uh, keep up the good work. Keep. I'm proud of you, man. And I don't mean that in a pejorative manner, like, you know, I'm better than you or anything. I am just proud of you and I'm lifting you up, man. I want you Thank to you. Uh, flourish as a father. Uh, when that, that day comes, uh, you know, wish you all the best as a husband. I'm really proud of how you are and how you speak with your wife and how you respect your wife and your family. Uh, and, and everything you're doing with this project is also really remarkable. And I don't use that word lightly. It's important to do important things. And uh, you're doing it, man. So I'm proud of you. So thanks for your time. Wow. I'm going to probably cry when we get off this. Okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Out of here. Oh, man. All right, man. Take it easy. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode and that the content contributed in some way to your personal evolution. Share the conversations and stories that mean the most to you by reaching out to Jeff at JeffBayless underscore on Instagram. If you get anything out of the show, please consider subscribing, leaving a rank and review. The best compliment you could give the project is by simply sharing it with someone you think it might resonate with. Love and gratitude always. We'll chat next week on the Evolution Podcast.